want to welcome you to Speak Life Today with Willie Berry. For more sermons from my dad, Pastor Willie Berry, here at Encounter Church in Royal Oak, Michigan, be sure to visit our website at www.encounter360.org. This podcast is designed to encourage spiritual growth in believers from all walks of life and will surely be a blessing to you or anyone else listening. If you are in the Metro Detroit area, we'd love for you to come visit. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Thanks for tuning in. And for those of you who are here with us today, it is another day that we get to study the Word of God, and that's exciting. Uh, For those of you who are uh, new to us, we'd like to welcome you to our Bible study. Guys, if you could give a hand clap to welcome everybody online, just to let them know we appreciate them for showing up. So glad to see you guys, um, and so glad you took the time to make it out. We are in a... uh, a wonderful book, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And there's some things that we're going to be talking about today. And today's topic is a praying mother. Everybody say a praying mother. But it's a little bit different if you pay attention to the spelling that the pray is spelled with an E today. P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. So we're going to see how a mother can pray on her own child for her own interest, uh, starting in the book of Psalm, uh, Genesis chapter 27. And you know, we always read together. Uh, for those of you who are watching for the first time, you're welcome to come along with us. Uh, you can go to www.encounter360.org and you're able to follow along on the live stream along with Bible study notes as well as online Bible. So you'll be able to follow with us. Uh, so glad you took the time uh, to be here. If you could throw up an emoji in the chat, let us know you're there. Uh, let us give us some notes. Let us know uh, how this is helping you. It helps us to know that we are helping you. You guys ready? All right, let's go. That that sounds pretty excited. You're convincing to me. So let's start at verse 20. Now, before we go to Genesis chapter 27, we're going to start at Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 34. Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. It really sets the stage for where we are. So we're going to read down and we'll read for a little while. We're going to read. Uh, I'll tell you when to stop back on the media team. So let's read starting at Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. And what does it say? When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Wow. What a way to start the chapter. What a way to start the day. Let's go on, go ahead on to Genesis chapter 27 and let's read down a little while. What does it say? When Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. He said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. 
Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Uh-oh. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I might prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves, and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall see, seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were in her house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. Okay, let's stop right there. Wow. Now we see why it's called a praying mother, don't we? If you remember when we talk about uh, Jacob and Esau, when they were first born, they were fighting in the womb, right? They were fighting and they were, they were contending and Jacob was trying to supplant and he was trying to slow down Esau so he could come out first. And it's already been prophesied by God that Jacob will be the greater. But now we see that God is using the imperfection of humankind to get his point across. All things work together for the good, but they may not necessarily be good, which means that God can take our twists and turns. He can take the good as well as the bad, and he can cause all of them to work for his what? Purpose. That does not mean he causes bad. That does not mean he causes evil, but he, everything is under God's sovereign hand, and he can use that for his purpose. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in what? The hand of the Lord, and he turns it what? Like a water course. In other words, that God is in control. Even when humans, we do our events, God is so much uh, ahead of us. It's like chess instead of checkers. In checkers, you jump from place to place, right? But in chess, when you make a move, you've already anticipated the other moves of the other people. God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows what's going to happen. He's ordained these things to happen because he's ordained Jacob. It says, the Bible says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Now, I wanted to start and see because you might feel sorry for Esau. But when I started in verse 34, chapter 26, it may seem like, what's the big deal? He married some people that were not in his tribe. But we know that because of the blessing that's on their life, that Abraham wanted people that were inside of his what? tribe we also know that who decides who decides who marries who in this culture the father that we have a patriarchal system that god has set up god put the husband at the head of the what family and every time the husband is not at the head of the family something bad happens we see adam was at the head of his what family but satan began to talk to who eve 
And after Eve took over and started taking charge and got out of place of where she was supposed to be, bad things, what, happened. It does not mean in worth that Eve was more than Adam or Adam was less than Eve. What it does mean is that God has an ordained order and he has put male at the head. Some, I might get in trouble by saying this, but the Bible says it. So you have to get mad at the Bible. Not me. God has an order. The Bible says that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. And the man is the head of the woman or his woman, Isha. And not every woman, his woman, the, the one he married, that he set up a structure inside that that the man should be a leader but sometimes we see even in the scriptures when God talks to Satan and says that you will bruise his heel but he shall crush your head he also looks to Eve and says and your desire will be towards your what husband in other words even though now y'all were on this this kind of this place, I put him in the head because you have proven that you will not do what you need to do and, and that you took you went out of place. So now your desire is going to be to your husband. In other words, you're going to live your life trying to rule him. And you're going to be forever frustrated because you're trying to work out of the order that I what? Set. I set the order. You subverted the order. And now you're trying to work outside of that order. It's not going to work. So you're going to be forever be frustrated trying to tell your husband what to do. Ooh. I just keep on moving from there. <laughs> just, just keep on moving. But we see that in the scripture, do we not? So we see that when God given order is taking out of place, bad things tend to what? happen so we see with Esau Esau has no love for God we saw uh in the last chapter or last week that Esau was kind of perverse he didn't care about the things of God so the father is supposed to pick the brides but the Bible doesn't say that Esau picked these brides who picked uh that Isaac picked them who picked them Esau Esau decided that he knew what was best for his life Esau decided that he knew better than his parents. I know there's a reason for everything. We got the young kids in here today. Uh, Miss Terry's out sick, and Terry, if you're watching, we're praying uh, for you, our youth leader. But at, at the same time, when you get out of the order that God has set, chaos and what? Sues. So now he's gotten out of the order. He's not doing what his father said, and he's married women outside of his tribe, people who do not, do not care about the covenant that God has set up or the order that God has set up. And so he has started to break the family apart and do what he wants to do. And the Bible says, we just read it, that they were a heartburn for Isaac and Rebekah. In other words, he was getting on their what? Nerves. They, in other, uh, here's another way. They were disappointed in him. Has anybody ever been disappointed in their children? <laughs> that their children didn't do what they needed them to do? Or had your parents disappointed in you? The first question, I'll give you the answer. It says Esau did not wait for his father to pick his wife. Instead, he picked one, not one, but two wives. He went from bad to worse. They were Hethite women or Hittite women. This shows he had no regard for the promise given for his family's lineage given by God. He knows the promise just like everybody else. It's been told in the family. They know what's going on, but he has no regard for that. He does what he wants to what? Do. He does whatever feels what? Right. Has anybody ever gotten in trouble by just doing what feels right? 
Everybody in the building and online has gotten in trouble by just doing what feels right. Even though you know that there's an order and that it's wrong, you do what feels right. And I say he once again shows his rebellion and his indifference. Hmm. For a God-given order, he is proving why the blessing should pass him by. Do we see a rebellion for God-given order in, in our country today? Do we see men being belittled and masculinity being torn down? Do we see fatherhood being minimized and belittled? Do we see people putting other people and other things in the place of the father's structure? And if you can break down the structure of the family, you break down the structure of the church, you break down the structure of the community, you break down the structure of the city, you break down the structure of the country, you break down the structure of the world. Because if you break the smallest block, the chain is only as strong as is what? Weakest link. So if you can attack family structures, you can tear a lot of stuff down. But there's a hopeful message through this because we're about to see a lot of dysfunctional stuff. We just read a bunch of dysfunctional stuff. Did you see that this woman is deciding to plot to take away the last thing her son has? He's given up his birthright. The only thing he has left is his blessing. And his mother plots to take it away from him. That's wild. Question number two, and we see this right now in, in what we read so far, what marital dysfunction do you see between Isaac and Rebecca by looking in those first few verses? What do you see? Don't be scared. Lack of communication. You see lack of communication, but some of that's intentional. What else do you see? Disunity. They're not together. What else do you see? You see partiality. She's picking favors. You see a lot of things in this. We're missing the major one, though. Isn't she doing the same thing that Eve did? For it is the father's choice who gets blessed. The father gives the blessing. So she's deciding that I know better than the father does. Now, although God ordained this to happen, she is conniving and tricking to make this happen. She's not in her what? Place. If you're driving a car, there's only one person that can sit in the driver's seat. Both people may be able to drive. Both people may be skilled drivers, but only one person can sit in the driver's seat at a time. But if you married male or female, you know that the person in the passenger seat is generally deciding to be the trying to be the best driver, although their hands are not on the what? Wheel. It's human nature to want to act out of place and try to control things when it's not our turn. It was not her job to decide. Now, God had already decided, but she's trying to help God out again. She's out of what? Place. And when people start acting out of place, guess what happens? Chaos ensues. Why do you think that there's so much push for order in the military? Because if the general tells you to do something, you might not like what the general says. But if you don't do what the general says, people what? Die. So it's important in marriage to have what? Harmony. 
and to have communication and not to have partiality between children. She is deliberately trying to deceive her husband. Number one, she was eavesdropping on the conversation. We know that by the time I, um, Jacob, uh, that uh, Ishmael gets married, by this time, Jacob's at least 100 years old. So his eyesight is blind. So she has listened to her husband's conversation. You can tell that Isaac is about to perform probably a ritual, a blessing. He's saying, son, I'm getting old. So what I want you to do, go get me my favorite game so I can taste it. And then I'm going to give you a blessing. So now his wife is, number one, eavesdropping on the conversation. She doesn't have a conversation with him to say, I really don't agree with what you're doing because culturally she can't. She's not in control. But isn't it amazing how sometimes when we're not in control, we still try to take control. We have rebellion like that in the world. And I'm about to say something that's kind of controversial. But people do this all the time. And, and Christian women do this all the time. Yeah, he's the head, but I'm the neck. And the neck determines where the head goes. That's a Jezebelian statement. No, the head determines where the body goes, not the neck. So she is getting out of what? Place. And when you get out of place, that doesn't mean her value is less. That does not mean her worth is less. And I know in a culture where we it's a women's lib culture, this isn't a popular topic, but I'm sorry. This is what I got this week. So I got to give you what's in the text. I got to give you what the Bible says. I can't give you from the book of Willie. I have to give you from God's book. So we see Sarah out of place. We see Sarah conniving. And we also see that Sarah has a lack of respect for her husband because her husband has stated that he desires one thing to be sold, but she decided that she knows better, so she's turning the order on his head. Do you think good things are going to come from that? Daddy says go to bed at 9, and you tell them they can go to bed at 11.30. What's eventually going to end up in that picture? Daddy says you can't go to the party. Mama says you can't. After a while, they're going to get in the, into the mindset if mama's not unified and I don't have to do what daddy says I don't have to respect and once that rebellion gets in their heart what's gonna happen we're gonna see in just a little bit Esau's getting ready to kill somebody because Jacob got out of order now the blessing was his God's given him the blessing but we're looking and studying what she has done and number three says Esau is raised in a family that does follow God Esau's raised in a family that follows God it's, but He's not doing what God says, which shows that sometimes children can be raised right and still live wrong. Some children know what's right to do, but they still do what's wrong. And sometimes, and the reason I say that, that that's supposed to be Jacob. Jacob was raised right, but he still lives wrong. So we're going to see how far they go into this deception. We're going to start at verse 18, Genesis chapter 27, verse 18. What does it say? So he went in, let's read it together. So he went in to his father and said, my father, he said, here am I, where are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Lie number one. But who put him up to lie? She said, do as I command you. In other words, she's encouraging her son to do wrong. Good things never come from lies. They don't come from lies. But let's see. Let's keep going. He says this, uh, verse 
verse 19. Let's read. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. He's trying to get a blessing through life. That is not his game. Those are goats that his mother has killed. Lie number two. Trying to sneak and connive and get what he wants, just like his mama, a mother who prays. Isn't that amazing that the things we do may affect our children? Let's keep going. Um, we're on verse, they have it there, verse 20. So let's start at verse 20. It says, but Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. He lied on God. The Lord, your God. But isn't he your God too? The Lord, your God, has granted me what? Success. Lie after lie after lie after lie. Young people, have y'all ever lied to get your way? And when you got caught in the first lie, you decided to tell another one to see if you can make that one cover up for it. Don't look over at your mama. Look straight at me. <laughs> we do it, don't we? We've all done it. Did you put your hand in the cookie jar? No. What's that on your mouth? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I was washing dishes. I guess it was some crumbs on the plate, but I don't know how they got there. You see how the human condition is that we can, once we start lying, we just keep spiraling what? Further and further and further down. He started lying and now he's lied on God. Now let's go to verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son. He thinks something up to know whether you are really Esau or not, because he, he knows something's funny. Verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Stop. He's taken his brother's clothes. His mother has taken his brother's clothes that were in her house that he entrusted to her. He entrusted his personal belongings with his mother. And his mother took those entrusted personal belongings, used them for her own benefit and gain to turn them against him. He's going to have a large counseling bill one day. He really is. Because if anybody needs some counseling after that, he's going to have some severe mother issues, isn't it? He's going to have some mommy issues to know my, my own mother did me in. Wow. That's amazing. The mother who prays. As much as that seems crazy, there are mothers right now, not to say on this topic, who use their children for their personal and financial gain. There are mothers right now who use their children as weapons and fathers who do the same. People sometimes use their children and try to manipulate their children to get the results that they want. Because the kids are in the room, that's as far as we'll go with that. But I'm pretty sure all of us adults have seen that once or twice, haven't we? So lest we be too hard on Rebecca, we see that in our own what? culture. We see that sometimes with us. Isn't it amazing how even though the Bible is thousands of years old, it's still relevant to the world today? So let's look. Verse 24, what does it say? 
He said, are you really my son Esau? Another lie. He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me. He's still trying to figure this out, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him. He's just trying to make sure. Well, you, you sound like Jacob. Your clothes kind of smell like Esau and your hands are hairy. But come here so I can kiss you. I want to smell you and make sure this is you. And he, he, so he's, he's actually gotten over his sight and his smell and his sound. He's found three ways to trick his father. This is amazing, isn't it? Who said the Bible is born? This, this, is, this, is, this is exciting. Matter of fact, this is a cliffhanger. If we hadn't read it a bunch of times, but the kids are excited. This is, this is amazing that things like this are happening in the Bible, right? Hmm. Let's see what the blessing says. Verse 27. Let's read verse 27. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven. Now, he, when he says, may God give you of the dew of heaven, the dew of the heaven is plenteous. We just had rain, didn't we? So if he's saying if God is blessing you like the rain of Michigan, that's a lot of blessing right there because it rains all the time in Michigan. This is the only place that I know where it could be 91 degrees one second and 72 and raining the next. I walked into a building. I came out today and it was absolutely pouring down rain. And God is saying, may, may you and he's saying, may you be blessed by God like the rain. The dew of heaven. This is an abundant blessing that he's given. And this is significant because this blessing has been passed down to him from what? Abraham. So we are seeing a transfer of blessing, a transfer of authority, a transfer of anointing that's about to take place. Even though he connived to get it, it's about to take place. So he says this. Um, of the dew of heaven, let's go to the second part of verse 28, and of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. So you're going to be blessed above, you're going to be blessed from below, that may God, everything you put your hands to, may God bless you, may Yahweh bless you. He says, verse 29, let the people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. Oh, wow. Now, look at this scene. He's in here stealing the blessing from his brother. Supposedly stealing. God has ordained that it's going to happen. And, and Jacob is saying, may God bless you to Lord over your brothers whom you're stealing from right now. Aren't you glad that sometimes God's blessings are predicated upon your foolishness? That if God has a blessing on your life for his purpose and he has a plan on your life for his purpose that is not predicated on your goodness. Because sometimes, kids, we mess up some things, don't we? We mess up some bad things and we do some things that we shouldn't do. But thanks be to God for his mercy and his what? Grace. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Now, the same thing we hear from that Abraham got. What does he say? Curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac has finished blessing Jacob, we're, we're, we're not going to get right there right now. 
Verse four, I want you to see this. And this is the question. It says the blessing and that word is Baraka. And what Baraka means, it's a blessing and the birthright are two different things. So he could have stolen the birthright while still being able to get the blessing. They're similar. The birthright is wealth built up generationally. So in other words, what my family has stored up, what Abraham has got, what Isaac has got, this is my birthright. They're in a court of culture or an agrarian society where generally the people live under the father and they have a patriarch and the sons live under that father or the head of that family and all of them work. And, and, and what, to keep things in order, he generally gives one son, generally the eldest son, the head of that clan and in that time. And so that's a big deal because you imagine, you see how many people have rich uncles and aunts and things like that. And they, they, they think they like them, but they, they really just waiting on them to what? They waiting on them to die. We see that in Luke 15, father, give me my inheritance. I'm not even going to wait on you to die. Just go ahead and give it to me. So Esau has already getting, got, given that up because he had no regard for the things of God. But now the blessing has been stolen. And the blessing is a different word. The blessing is future focus. Everybody said future focus. In other words, it has nothing to do with what's happened in the past. In other words, if Abraham had never left anything by birthright to Jacob, if the blessing is on his life, God can do in a few minutes what a hundred years couldn't do. I need to stop because I need to talk to some people who may have started like I started. You started from the bottom. You didn't start in a nice house. You didn't start with nice cars. You didn't start at the top of the corporate ladder. You didn't start uh, with all the advantages in life. You are at a place in life right now where there are many people that um, you don't have a lineage to be held down to you. You don't have anything but a bill to be handed down to you. A lot of us, uh, we don't have inheritances. When our loved ones die, we get bills and invoices for the funeral because they didn't even leave us that. Thank God my parents were kind of godly in that way and they, they took care their own thing but how many how many deals do we have like that where we don't have an inheritance coming to us we will often say i wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth but here's the encouragement if the blessing of the lord is on your life and you are in the will and the purpose of god god will bless you and bless your future and it doesn't matter where you came from you could have came from skid row and you can end up the president you might not go completely from the bottom to the top. You may go from the bottom to here, wherever God ordains. But that's encouragement that we do not have to let our past or what we came up from define our what? Future. Your past does not have to define your future. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. All things are made what, young people? New. Old things are passed away. But now we see that not only has Esau lost his past, but the blessings that came down through the past, but Esau has lost his future. Wow. Can you tell how devastating this is about to be to him? In essence, by losing it, Esau lost his future. And I'm going to go to question number six because it deals with this before we go to the next point. It says that Rebecca is manipulating and controlling the situation. She coerces him and tells him to obey her. She does it in verse eight. She does it in verse 13 and she does it in verse 43. And it says because Jacob obeyed the first two times, his next command of obedience is going to be to run for his life. How important is it for us to be selective of those we influence 
who make help us make our what? Decisions. It's important to keep the right people around you. Young people and, and, and older people alike, you need to be careful of who's in your ear. Because they can give you advice that will absolutely wreck your life. He's about to spend 20 years of his life on the lamb. No pun intended, but that was funny. He's about to spend 20 years of his life running because his mother connived. God had the blessing for, for, for Jacob already. His mother didn't have to connive. If God had declared the blessing, no matter what happened, he was going to get the what? Blessing. But she connived to make it happen, and he has to run. Now, I have a question that's introspective, and I want everybody to think about this question. Name a time, verse 7, uh, uh, question 7, when you, everybody say I, manipulated or deceived, which means hid the facts, took advantage of the situation, hid the truth to get what you wanted. You didn't tell the whole truth. You just told enough to get by <laughs> or get what you wanted. Or you knew that if your spouse thought this, they wouldn't say yes. So you only told them what you said they needed to what? No. Manipulation. Young people, how many times have you did that with your parents? You told them just enough to get what you what? Wanted. You didn't tell them the whole what? True. I have a question. If anybody will be honest, how did the results come out? Will anybody be honest enough to be honest and tell me how the results came out? You don't have to be specific, but how were the results? Mark looking, he's shaking his head. He said they weren't, they weren't good. They weren't, weren't good. Would anybody else be honest? Has anybody ever tried to do that? Try to manipulate to get what you wanted or hold back part of the truth or tell a little white lie, which is really a whole lie? If you don't tell the truth, it's a lie anyway. If the Bible says that he that knows to what is right to do and does not do it to him, it is what? Sin. So just because you say, well, I didn't lie, I just didn't say anything. That's it. And omission of the truth, an omission of the truth is still a lie. Delayed obedience is disobedience. All of us at some point in our life have tried to switch the situation to where it came out for our advantage. How does that generally end up working? It doesn't work real good. It'll work up front, but it's going to cause some consequences. But I'm so glad that even in this situation, because of God's sovereignty, and I'm going to go ahead to this other question so we can kind of flow through the rest of the lesson. Uh, question 8 says, Genesis 28, 19, although Jacob is running, and I'm going ahead of the story we're about to read, because of his deception, God is still with him. God's plans are not interrupted by our problems. He's sovereign. Even though you messed up, God already knew you were going to mess up, and he baked that into the equation. So some of us are thinking, I can never recover from the mistakes I made. Don't you know God already calculated the mistakes you were going to make? When he told Abraham, uh, who was Abram at the time, you're going to be the father of many nations, he already knew he was going to sell his wife twice. He already knew what was going to happen to Isaac. He already knew what was going to happen to Noah. He already knew what was going to happen to Lot. He already knew what was going to happen to David when David messed up. He already knew these things. He already knew what Peter was going to do. He knew he was going to put Peter as the head of the church, and he didn't even wait to let Peter figure it out himself. He said, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. 
You're going to turn your back on me. You're going to forget that you ever saw me. You are going to betray me to the hilt. And he said, I'll never do that. And before, before the cock crowed, what had he done? Did God throw him away? He still used him, didn't he? Could it be that we in the church and in the world throw people away too soon because they made a mistake, but God doesn't throw people away? If God's no, not so quick to throw people away who have issues, I'm not saying people who have an unrepented heart, but people who have had issues, but they're willing to work because eventually Jacob's going to get this right in, in chapter 33. But if God's hands are on them, if God doesn't throw them, throw them away, neither should you. Now, that doesn't mean on a personal relational level that if somebody's doing something destructive that you can't make healthy boundaries. What I am saying is don't give up on people and their ability or the ability of God to still use them in their imperfection because God still uses them. So let's look at verse 30. This is heartbreaking. 27 and 30. We may not get to 28. We might have to extend that into the next thing because I don't know where my clock is right there. Verse 30. Let's read that. What does it say? As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau saw his brother coming in from hunting. Ooh, you see how that's even more heartbreaking to know you were this close. That this just happened to you. Wow. Verse 31. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I blessed him. Yes. And he shall be blessed. He couldn't revoke it. Can you imagine the pain? That's even though he he loves Jacob, the Bible says, who does he love more? Esau. He wanted to bless his child, but his wife got in the way and his wife has deceived him. The Bible says he's not just deceived, but it says he starts to tremble violently. This is affecting him psychologically, physically. That deception can hurt people in different what? ways. He's hurt to his absolute core. It doesn't just say he cried. It says he, he trembled violently. Mm. Verse 33. I'm going to read it again. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Verse 34. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father. Now, all this is called by Rebecca and Jacob. Jacob couldn't have done it without help. Rebecca did this. She's caused this. God is sovereign and he's still working in this. But this has destroyed Esau. 
Now Esau has something to do with this. He's godless, the Bible says. He, he's rough and he really didn't care about the things of God. So he, it's, it's not surprising that he doesn't get the blessings of God. But the way this is carried out is absolutely brutal. Anybody who's a mother can see how brutal this really is. What mother would hurt one child to help the other? Wow. He says, bless me. He cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, my, my father. Verse 35, let's read it together. But he said, your brother has came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Now I want to stop here for a second. Because if we went back a few chapters, that's not the Esau we saw. We saw a proud Esau. We saw an arrogant Esau. We saw an Esau that didn't care about the things of God. A birthright, what is that to me? Remember that? But now, when it's time to stand before the Father and receive blessings, now he's crying and he's bitter and he's upset because he didn't care about the blessing when he had the chance. And now he has to stand before the father and the father says, I've given the blessing to someone else. You can't get it. It's already been sealed and it's already been done. I don't know if you saw this in the text, but there are people who may be listening to me right now. They don't care about the church thing. They're not coming to church. They don't care about the things of God. They'll come in the parking lot. They'll turn around. They got better things to do than come to church. They got better things to do than to serve God or have a relationship with Christ. But one day they're going to sit before the father and have to watch the father say, come on in, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Let me make you ruler over many. And they're going to they're going to shake violently and say, hey, I cast out demons in your name. I see you blessing these other people. I believe now, Jesus, I want to be blessed. And he's going to say, I can't. You missed the time of blessing. And like Esau's crying, the Bible said that there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We can spend our time trying to ignore God. We can try to spend our time giving a, a man-centered, secular, humanistic gospel to people to make them feel good about themselves and preach only about what they can get. Or we can spend time telling them the truth before they end up and it's too late. And they say, I went to church every Sunday, but all I heard was how I could get a house or how I could get a car or how I could get seven steps to my best life or, or five steps to fix my marriage. I didn't hear much about Jesus. I really didn't care about stuff. I went to this church down the street because this church was telling me how to be blessed. <clears throat> but Father, I missed it. Bless me too. And I hurt Jesus. And upset Jesus will look just like Jacob on the sons that he loved. But God so loved the world and say, I can't. It's already been set. The father, I knew not the day nor the hour when the father shall return, but he has returned. There was an old title that a, a preacher told me one time, and I, it, it stuck in my mind. It said, you should have when you could have, but now you want to, but you can't. 
Seek ye the Lord while he what? May be found. Call on him and he will what? Answer you. There will be a day that you will call on the Lord and he will not answer you. Because you were like Esau. You didn't care about the things of God. You didn't care that much about God. You had other things to do. You had fishing to do. You had clothing to do. You had you had trips to do. You had garage sales to do. You had baseball games to go to. And all sorts of other things. You had everything else in the world to do except give Christ your life. But there will come a time when you have to sit before the Father, and no matter how much you beg, it will not help you at that time. I don't know who's listening to me. I'm pretty sure it's not the people in this room, because y'all are saying, but whoever's listening on the line or listening on the podcast later, seek the Lord while he may be found. Sit before the Father and, and enjoy the blessing now. Don't get to the gates and say, I, now I'm ready to be saved. It's too late then. It's too late to care when you said, I'll serve God when I get old. I'll serve God later in my life. I'll serve God when I feel like serving him. Let me get my house and my car and my wife and my house on the hills and my kids through college. And when I get old and I'm, I'm too old to do anything, then I'll serve God. Who said that you were going to get old? If anything of the events of the past week have shown us that there's evil in the world and life is not promised to any of us. If you're young, you need to serve God right now. Now, you need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Jesus. Verse 35, but he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Verse 36, Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? He's talking about his own son. His own brother. For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers. And I have given to him for you to him for service. Wow. All his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? It's too late to sit at the welcome table. Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing for me, my father? Bless me. Even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. Depart from me. You see the parallel? I know you not. Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. The Edomites and the, and the Israel, Israelites are going to fight for a very, very long time. Now Esau hated Jacob. Let's say hated. 
He's bitter with Jacob because of the blessing. Let's read that together. Because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Oh, he, he getting old. He can't last forever. Let's see what's on his heart. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, uh, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, son, obey my voice. Isn't this sorrowful? You wouldn't tell your children to do right when they were young. Now you got to tell them to obey the officer, obey the judge. You let them do and run wild. Do whatever they were big enough and bad enough to do. Didn't put any loving restrictions or boundaries on them. I know kids get tired of boundaries and things. They don't understand those things. I didn't. I was so sick of boundaries. I said, when I get old, I'm going to leave this house, and I'm never coming back. I'm going to stay gone as long as I want. And at 41, if I could go back home right now, there was peace and comfort and protection at home. But it's in our heart to want to shun protection. But because she has not given good advice to her son, the next time she tells him to obey him is to run for his life. Verse 43. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send you and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Plain English. I lost both my children today. Because I picked one over the other. I lost them both. In one day. Deceit doesn't pay. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Deceit has a receipt. Have you ever went to the store and you paid for something? And you you went to hurry and you try to walk away and they say, oh, don't leave. You forgot your receipt. This lets you know what you did. The, the transaction that just expired. How many times have we tried to be deceitful and try to get away with it? And, and God said, wait a minute, you left your receipt. Deceit, everybody said deceit has a receipt. For 20 years, Jacob was going to be gone. She's lost her son because she was deceitful. And pretty sure that her other one will never speak to her again. Because she showed favorites. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Verse 46, and we're going to finish tonight. What does it say? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be? She's still manipulating. You know, Esau married these Hittite women, and it's been the headache of my life. We need to send Jacob away 
so he can find a wife. That's partially true. He needs to find a wife within that, that realm for the blessing. But there's another reason and motivation behind it as well. Because she know that her, her boy about to get stabbed. Because <laughs> as soon as dad is dead, so is, so is Jacob. <laughs> deceit, if you don't take anything away from the day, remember that deceit has a receipt. I hope we remember that. We've all had situations in our lives where we had to pay. Jacob's going to be gone for a while, and we'll pick back up there next week. Isn't it painful to see what that cost her? Isn't that painful? And all of us, if we reflect over life, we can all say there are things in life that we would have done differently. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Sometimes it's best to look at people who've gone before us and to celebrate the season saints. You know why? Because they've already gone through it. You sit over there and you see Sister Jenkins, and Sister Jenkins looks like she's quiet and she's been saved and sanctified all her life. But mess around and get pregnant and don't have a have a husband and go talk to Sister Jenkins. And Sister Jenkins will let you know all her children don't have the same last name either. And she'll also let you know how God brought her through. That's why we need wisdom and, and seasoned people around us who have gone through life before us. And that's why the church is so beautiful. And that's why I like, this is an amazing amalgam right here. I see from seniors with, all the way to toddlers almost, little babies. Why? And that's a beautiful picture. Why? Because it lets us know that we're all following behind and learning from one or what? Another. So you can look at somebody that came behind you and say, don't make my mistake. And if we wise, we'll borrow that lesson and we won't buy it. But these are some interesting nuggets that we pulled out of this lesson today, isn't it? Any questions or any comments or anything like that 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 make this makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very good. between the two and children will take advantage when they see that I can go to mama and mama loves to try to subvert daddy guess what they're gonna do they go into mama because they're gonna say well daddy said this and mama gonna say I'm a modern woman nobody tells me what to do I, I say this or they go to daddy and say well mama said this and he said well I'm the man I'm in charge you should have came to me first and they pit one another against the other one and then they get done what they want to do and they say but they said I could do it mm-hmm 
That's it. Unity. And it takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's not going to be perfect. But it does take work. That's encouragement for us to work uh, through our marriages and to, to do things the right way. Uh, it's an important thing to make sure that we are making sure we have an open, honest communication with our spouses. And that even when things don't necessarily go our way, to follow the order of God rather than our feelings and our flesh. Now, God's using all this stuff. He's not causing it, but he's using it because the blessing is going to be on Jacob. We have just seen something phenomenal. The whole time we've been talking about the promise, what? See. And now we see that the blessing has gone from Abraham to Isaac down to who? Jacob. And next week, as we get into chapter 28, we're going to see uh, Bethel, the house of God, or Beth Elohim. And we'll, we'll see God begin to do some stuff. Because every time you hear in the Bible, they say, to the God of Abraham, to the God of Isaac, and to the God of what? Jacob. Isn't it amazing, even though he, he changed his name to Israel, they say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of the deceiver. Because that's what his name means. That's what Jacob means. They gave him his name. His name is deceiver and supplanter. You do not really want to name your child Jacob that, that in, in that day. That's what Jacob means. Deceitful. He who is trying to find an edge. A thief. No good. Which means there's hope for all of us. <laughs> so this has been a blessed night. It's been a wonderful night for those of you online or watching later. Thank you for taking the time to, to learn with us. We uh, Send us a line out. Send us a message. Let us know you're watching. Like and share this post. Uh, that helps the algorithms and helps get things out uh, so we can be a blessing. Uh, if, if this has been a blessing to you, we ask that you just share it with somebody else or hit the like button in the comment. Uh, and we're going to play God's blessing, and I'll see a couple more questions. We're going to uh, pray, and I'm, um, I think Brother Bob has a question, and then we'll go from there. So we'll say goodnight to all those who are online. God bless you. God, we thank you right now for what's been said tonight. We thank you uh, that in your providence you've allowed us all to be in here, young, old, middle-aged, God, and why? So we could study about the dynamics of the family and learn some things that can be beneficial to us. And I pray we all learn something to help us put things into practice that will be for your glory, that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother Bob, you had a question?